Our gospel reading for today is from John chapter 17, verses 1 through 11 and verses 20 through 23. After Jesus had spoken these words, he looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you, since you have given him authority over all people to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth by finishing the work that you gave me to do. So now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had in your presence before the world existed. I have made your name known to those whom you gave me from the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me, I have given to them and they have received them and know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world and I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them in the, your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I ask not only on behalf of these, but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one. As you, Father, are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given them, so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one, so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. May the Lord add understanding to our hearing of the word. Let us pray. Loving God, eternal parent, who calls all your children to be one, hear this prayer. Let my words be spoken and heard in ways which are pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, I talked about the ascension, how the disciples were moving from learning to doing and talked about how our scripture suggested we can make our way through such transitions without losing who we are and where God is leading. The answer was prayer. And now today we come to a scripture which takes place hours before Jesus' betrayal and arrest. Again, changes are front and center. In fact, in many ways, this is a mirror image of last week's scripture. Last week, we saw the story from the disciples' perspective and read that they went and prayed after Jesus' ascension. This week, we are seeing the story from Jesus' perspective. Instead of the disciples losing a teacher, it is the teacher knowing he is about to leave, leave his students and, at least initially, in the most tragic and abrupt way possible. And yet again, the focus is on prayer. This week it is Jesus praying for his disciples what he wants for them as he is being taken from them. 
It is informative. In what Jesus asks for his disciples, we find something of what Jesus wants for all of God's children. And it is not a short prayer. One of the things that sets the Gospel of John apart from the synoptic Gospels, Mark, Matthew, and Luke, is precisely how much Jesus has to say. More than that, John is always working on multiple levels. There is a mystical quality in addition to the details of the story which inspire Jesus' words. As an example, let's look at the first five verses. There's sort of a poetic structure here, which you can see in this slide. The pattern gives some structure to otherwise complicated and elusive topics, ranging from a petition for God's glory or God's holy light to Christ's authority and work, and ultimately, at the heart of it all, eternal life, which is equated with knowing God and knowing Christ. Not exactly the most daily experience food on the table concerns to start out this prayer. What's at the heart of the prayer is the more to life. With Jesus standing next to them, the disciples have been practically immersed in connections with the bigger and deeper parts of life. Now that Jesus is going to be taken, he doesn't want them to lose that. In these first few verses, Jesus raised a point that he made throughout his ministry. Jesus doesn't talk about life after death, but eternal life, which is available right now. And in this prayer, he makes it explicit that the life comes from knowing God as revealed in Christ. Now, of course, this knowing isn't about our minds, or at least only our minds. This isn't about being able to pass a written test on doctrine or dogma or creeds or anything else humans have managed to create over the past 2,000 years and actually much longer. This knowing isn't the same as being able to repeat the details of a religion. This knowing is about having an experience of God, an experience of the more that there is to life. It is the peace and joy that comes from having firsthand knowledge that the struggles of this life will pass and we do not need to fear. The disciples knew a lot of details. In the course of his prayer, Jesus said, Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. For the words that you gave me, I have given to them, and they have received them, and know in truth that I came from you. And they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. If the prayer was just to know Jesus was Christ, they already know that. But this is a prayer for the Christ's disciples to have the intimate relationship with the Father-Mother as Christ has. Jesus continued, Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one just as we are one. Just as God and Christ, eternal parent and beloved child, are one, Christ is asking for the disciples to have access to this mystical union beyond what is accessible to our normal senses. Jesus prayed, I am not asking on behalf of the world, but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. This is not Jesus being exclusionary. We know from chapter three in the same gospel that God so loved the world that Christ was sent as our redeemer. 
However, this is a personal prayer at a final meal together before a world-changing event for the people who Jesus has traveled with, who Christ had seen grow and learn in so many ways that they will not fall back or fall away. Again, this is a teacher letting go of the students she has become so attached to and hoping they continue on the path she laid out for them. Then, almost as in response to the potential concerns about the seeming limited scope of this prayer, where we pick back up, Jesus extended the request beyond just the immediate disciples and out through time. Again, the emphasis is on an experience of God born from and leading to deeper communion with others and union with God. Jesus is not a personal savior. We learn about God from family, friends, and communities, and we experience God working through us in the same relationships. Faith is not an act of an individual, but a community. So here we find the slogan for the UCC, that they may all be one, combined with a more explicit spelling out of the layers of what that means when Jesus said, the glory that you have given me, I have given them, so they may be one as we are one, I in them, you in me, that they may become completely one so that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. The God who is love, the God whose holy light shines through Christ and through Christ's followers, the God who in three parts is always in relationship, the God who is the more there is to life calls to us, grasps us and invites us to know the peace and joy of that truth and participate in that reality right now. So this is our seventh and final Sunday celebrating Easter, and yet the lectionary has us again reading scripture from before Jesus' crucifixion. This might seem strange, but I think it speaks to the miraculous and unexpected nature of Easter in this life. When humans have those mystical experiences, we try to hold on. We build altars and temples, construct patterns and traditions. We do all manner of things to be able to hold on to those moments or at least be able to access and reproduce them whenever we want. But it doesn't work like that. Richard Swanson wrote about how the order of the lectionary speaks to our own lived reality, saying, the moment of resurrection seems always to escape the present moment, living safely in past narrative or future hope but skittering away whenever you attempt to grasp it and hold it in the present moment. Hence, Jesus' prayer. The disciples had all the experiences and resources anyone could want, but still Christ was concerned they would fall back and lose all they had experienced. In this life, these moments of profound knowing the truth of Christ's victory over sin and death are fleeting but they open the rest of our lives to the peace and joy that comes from such assurance. However, it's easy to fall back into the limits and patterns of this world and forget all that we have learned. If Jesus was concerned that was a possibility for the disciples who spent so much time in Christ's presence, 
that same possibility certainly exists for us today. So our invitation this week is to open ourselves to the deeper meaning in the words of Christ's prayer and allow them to open our hearts to the more that God is offering. This is an invitation to recognize we cannot control God's movement by building structures of word or stone, but must be open to the spirit whenever, however, and through whomever it comes. And this is an invitation to recognize faith is not something we do alone, even if we're currently in isolation. I pray you know the truth of God's presence, not with your mind, but with your body and soul. I pray you experience the peace and joy of God at work in your life. I pray you can carry the assurance of God's presence out from those moments to bring that peace and joy into the rest of your life. And I pray you embrace the communion offered by faith not fall into the idolatrous notion that Christ is for our personal use and recognize all things of God are for all God's people. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.